inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Josh Jacobs, 74 yards on 13 carries, and he gets it again. Pitches it back to Derek Carr. Looking downfield for Devontae Adams. It's straight at the five. Touchdown, Raiders. That's even more glorious when you can throw a flea flicker in there, catch the defense completely off guard, and Devontae Adams runs behind the Chargers defense. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company. It's Cofield. Mateo is alongside here. Twin Peaks on Eastern. Come on down. Got Monday Night Football on the way. Monday Night Football is on the way. All the great specials. Select appetizers, two, four, and six bucks. Big beers under $4 and uh, more drink specials beyond that. We'll tell you about that in a little while. Our grand prize in person here today are VGK tickets for the game later in the week against Philly. That'll be a good one. Good crowd. Uh, Philly always travels really well. Adam Hill, what's going on, buddy? Fun Raider game yesterday. We got a lot of UNLV stuff to get into as well. For sure. So, much, so many things to uh, talk about. But I have, I've had like five people this weekend ask me for tickets to that game. So really? here's your chance. Get down here. Oh, get down. Listening. Yeah, get down here. We got, you asked me and you're listening. Get we, down here. We got the Golden Knights ticket. So uh, actually, a really interesting week for the Golden Knights as well. We'll hit that in the four o'clock hour as we uh, skedaddle from the air at five for Monday Night Football. But massive game tonight, you know, especially for guys who are connected to Boston. In this case, Bruce Cassidy. So we'll get to that. There's actually a lot of baseball news today, and over yeah. the weekend. Uh, we never even got to the Mets thing where they lose Jacob DeGrom to the Rangers. Rangers spending big bucks again, so hopefully this is going to turn around for the Rangers and DeGrom can pitch more than 110 innings each season. But what it meant was then there was a void for the Mets. Mets go get Verlander, steal him from the Dodgers, and meanwhile the Dodgers just lost Trey Turner because another evil empire, and these are all evil empires. There's, there's like 12 of them that actually have – well, I'll say there's about seven that have the money. There's five more that won't spend the money but act like they're middle class or not. Uh, Phillies used to act like that, not anymore. Because they're making money. They invested money. They make money. They spent on Bryce Harper. They make money. So today they went out and they're like, hey, let's get you know a versatile guy who can play a bunch of positions on the infield. And Trey Turner, he gets 11 years, $300 million. You know, consistent five-plus war guy each year, 20-20 every year. You know, close to 100 ribbies. And they got him for the next 11 years. So now they've got a core of Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott and Trey Turner and others. So exciting day for baseball. I like to see teams compete and try. So an exciting day, most importantly, for Trey Turner, who just got $300 million guaranteed. Yeah. First of all, the other day when I started seeing some contract signs, I was like, we're really doing this now? Already? We're doing this? Well, this is the way baseball is supposed to be. There's a, the, if, com, if owners are competitive... They can't control themselves, and they go and they grab players. That's the way it's been in little pockets. Now, believe me, what's happening right now, Trey Turner getting $300 million or Justin Verlander at 40, getting two years and $43 million a year, I'm telling you, Jerry Reinsdorf and Bud Selig are absolutely rolling over on their graves. I think you missed I'm just saying, I just need a, a break. By the way. We're the, doing NFL. The, we throw the line in there because <laughs> neither one is dead. But their goal in the late 90s and early 90s was to minimize salaries as much as possible and denigrate players. And now, you know, baseball let in a guy like Cohen, and he's a billionaire, and this is who they should have let in the entire time. Mark Cuban should be an owner in Major League Baseball, but 
They tried to suppress it. Now they've got a guy in who's a freaking lunatic and has money. Good. So make your point. I'm sorry. No, I'm, so, I'm all for the guys getting contracts. I'm just you saying. Just the timing. I'm like, we're tra- it's football season. Yeah. We've got the playoffs announced. We've got, you know, NBA starting to heat up. Adam, Adam being, I was going to say Adam being <laughs> assigned a Bryson Stott feature on the new roster yeah, on uh, Monday, December 5th. Ain't up his alley right now. Oh, trust me. I don't me. have time. Trust me. There is a former player in town tomorrow, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to track him down tomorrow. That'll be, that'll be fun. What sport? Uh, NFL, but college football? Wow, a lot of teasing. Yeah, sure. I feel like you should um, be on the UNLV beat. That's what well, we, saw, know. we saw a weekend long, a lot of teasing with the football sure. code search. But I also don't know how many people know that he's here tomorrow, so I'm like, all okay. right, let's try to track him down do a story. Um, either way, what I'm saying is there's just so many things going on. Yep. I wasn't ready for massive contracts in baseball every day and just trying to keep up with that, which is nuts. But I'm all for the contracts being signed. I do think – as much as I love Trey Turner, I think he's awesome, and he yeah. probably will help them bring World Series. A thirty-year-old getting eleven million. Yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't build my team like the first thing I thought of when I saw the baseball free agent signings is, boy, oh boy, the Astros are going to kick some booty, and if like the Twins try, it's a it's a teams that show a little bit of discipline, and maybe it could be the Yankees because what's going to happen in New York now is people are going to friggin' melt down because Aaron Judge could leave one because of the owner, two because the fans are many of them are a pain in the ass. Um, but it's the if you if you're patient and you wait for the middle class, you can scoop up players left and right. But I'm I don't hate on I don't I don't hate what the Phillies did. I'm I'm glad they did it. Uh, you know they've already got one of the great stars in baseball. They got more on the way, so go for it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think and, it, and the other I'll, I'll give you the other thing. The other thing that I love is the piece of crap franchise that got placed in Washington. They should move them. They, come here. We'll take that organization. Just fire everyone who runs it. What a piece of garbage that organization is. Now Trey Turner and Bryce Harper are right up the road. they got to play against them. Oh, we don't have money. Times. We don't have money in D.C. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, all those all those things are great for the players. I'm, I'm very excited. I think they should get all the money they can in the world. I just I question signing an old guy at that, that amount of money. But if you win two or three titles along the way, yeah. it's all worth it, even if you have to pay. And, by the way, $30 million or $33 million, whatever, 40 what thirty-eight million, whatever works out to at the end of this deal, probably will be kind of worth it at that point. By the math, it's actually less than thirty million a year. Well, so it was eleven for thirty. Eleven for three hundred. Oh, 11, 300. All right, I don't know where I saw four thirty yet. So, so yeah, even I mean at that at that rate, by the end of that contract, that'll that'll look like a bargain. So, uh, as much as we say thirty million for a guy that's forty-one at that point, yeah, he'll probably be you know hitting DH and you know getting. You know, two eighty for you and making you know a very cheap salary at thirty million. Oh, right, well, we got something juicy going on right now with the Raiders. This is quite the comeback from two and seven, now to five and seven. And I thought yesterday, even though the score wouldn't say so, I thought yesterday was was pretty easy because of the big play guys on the Raiders side, and that includes a guy who was supposed to be a big play guy who just hadn't really shown up in Chandler Jones. But the story of the game was offensively. Chargers did not get a lot from their superstars. My God, Josh Jacobs was awesome. Devontae Adams was ridiculous. I mean, it you know, it makes sense when you see that. Did you see the Dubow number last week? Josh Dubow covers the Raiders for AP, and he had, you know, we were starting to talk about both Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams being on pace to go over 1,500 yards on the same team. That had happened like three times previously, and the worst team were the 95 Lions who had gone 10 and 6 and you're looking at like wait they're on a pace to go 1500 1500 and they're sitting at 4 and 7 like this this should get better and it's gotten better 
Yeah, I, I, it's it's definitely gotten better. I mean, the, the wins are there. Um, I would also I would make the case, and yesterday was a little bit different of a game, but um, they really there wasn't really anything different over the last two weeks. You know, somebody uh, I do I do a show every week uh, with some friends of ours in uh, in Kansas City, and the question was posed Friday, "What has changed?" And I said, "Absolutely nothing." They were in a position to win six times out of their first seven losses. They're two and seven. Yep. They had the ball and a chance to win six times. The Saints game sucked. Yeah. Beyond that, every game has been about the same. Yep. They had the ball, the ball with a chance to win or tie on the last possession six times. They lost all six. The last two weeks, they were losing. Had the ball with a chance to win or tie. They tied it. Went to overtime and won. That's um, the only thing that changed. Um, what do you always say about the the coin flip games? Yeah, that, that, that they will revert to the mean. Eventually. At some point, it, might, it might take four seasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, last year was unbelievable on yeah. the positive side. This year started out like crap. Yeah. Now, they're, now they're making a little bit of, you know, inc- incrementally it's, coming back on and, the 50 50 games. Yesterday was different. They didn't have to have a possession. They had actually had to make a stop at the end of the game, and they actually had a possession to put the game away, and they couldn't. Uh, but they had to make a stop, and they did it. But yesterday, as much as it was Adams and Jacobs again, and that's what has been, that's what their offense is, and it should be. They're amazing players. I, I do kind of think the defensive line won the game yesterday. And I'll go one step further and say, no, the Chargers' offensive line lost the game yesterday. Boy, that was oh one boy. of the most embarrassing performances it was, I've ever seen. And it was bad from the get-go. And you had Justin Herbert yesterday was awesome. He was awesome. Interesting. I mean, you're sitting in the press box like, wow. Anytime this guy has a split second, he's making an unbelievable throw. And he just never has a split second. It was it was crazy, and the the Raiders' offensive line held their own more than more than more more than enough. Yes, uh, shut down Khalil Mack, let him do nothing, uh, and of course the other side of their defensive line is not playing, so they didn't have to worry about that. But they shut down Khalil Mack. They opened holes. They didn't have they didn't allow a sack. They barely allowed a pressure. Chandler Jones had eleven pressures yesterday because for some reason, and I, not not for some reason, we know why. Because their offensive line is so depleted, they had to put like three guys on Max Crosby, right. and they said, "Here, rookie six-round pick, try to block Chandler Jones." And I think that Charger said, "He's been terrible. Yeah. Let's just we let gotta, this... we got to roll the dice. We and... got to pick one or the other. So we're gonna obviously we're gonna pick the guy who's been freaking awesome." And then the, the thing is, Crosby comes out like right out of the gates, and he was just dynamite. You're like, hold, like they're not gonna be able to hold up on that side. And then you know, obviously, then it starts opening up for Jones. Yeah, and Chandler Jones, they just left him on an island. I can say rookie six-round pick, and you could just see it. It's one of those – you have to kind of focus on the trenches if you're going to watch that and focus on it. You didn't even have to yesterday. It was so glaringly obvious that that, that poor kid had no chance in that game that kind of from the start you said, wow, even though it's 10 nothing Chargers, like this is going to be a really, really tough day for them because they cannot block anyone. And, and that's how it turned out. And, you know, for the Chargers, for all their investment and all the excitement that people had, and they have tried to invest in the offensive line. They're just all missing right now. Uh, they tried to. They didn't invest in the depth of the offensive line, that's for sure. And this has been bad. And it was really, really bad yesterday. And you just you just look at that team, and, yeah, they're 6-6 six and six and have a more realistic path to the playoffs than the Raiders do. But can you really see it if they can't block anybody? Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football is on the way. Got the big beers under 4 bucks. 19 different shots available for uh, just under $4. Awesome food. The uh, select appetizers for 2 4 and 6 bucks. And football's on TV, so what better reason to come down to uh, Twin Peaks? Check out the ladies. Hang out with the ladies. Don't check them out. Hang out with the ladies and get those 29-degree beers with the scenic views. 
Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Crosby bringing pressure off the edge. The dump down to Eckler at the 18. Blockers in front, 25-30. And he Ball takes out. it out. The ball's on the turf. Raiders pointing at it. There's a scrum for it. It's still loose. And Hobbs picks it up at the 35. And he's chopped down at the 32. They knocked it out of there. Austin Eckler had picked up the first down. But he lost it as he was falling to the turf. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Raiders really limit Austin Eckler. Turnover there. We're talking about the defense a little bit. Certainly the offense has to get a little bit of a spotlight. Let's uh, play some of these highlights. These were good calls from uh, Horowitz. We're going to talk to a big link a little later in the show and uh, get more on the Raiders. Adam Hill is here as the company on a Monday. Jacobs, 144 on the ground. They get the snap ball, hand off Jacobs, has the first down in a big hole, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! That hole opened up like last week, and Jacobs does it again! 7.52 to go in the second, a big spike, a big play, and the Raiders back in the game. That was good blocking. Yeah. And pretty, pretty similar play to the one that they ended the game on in Seattle. We should point out again, one of the rare teams that uses a fullback. Yeah. Uh, Jakob Johnson certainly a vital part of the team. I think he's uh, six years in, in the NFL. I'm not sure exactly. I'm trying to remember exactly how long he's been in the NFL, but uh, never had a carry. Jakob Johnson has never had a carry. He's had some pass receptions, but never once. We told him we're going to start lobbying for him to finally get one. That would be nice. But, yeah, he's, his blocking is – Tremendous. He had the the key block on the touchdown play against Seattle. He had a very key block there. And uh, what what Josh Jacobs said after the game was that before the snap, they had shifted the linebackers, and he saw that to to the direction the play was going, there was only one guy that was going to be a problem. And he's like, I know Yach's taking care of that, so he I pretty too. much know I'm scoring on this play. Twenty yards, virtually untouched. Yeah. Devontae Adams actually got off to a little bit of a slow start, didn't he? In the season or the game? In the game. Yeah, they just weren't going in his direction. It was it was they came out and they're like, We are going to establish Josh Jacobs. And then Hollins got some looks. Morrow got some looks. But man, once they started targeting Devontae and did, did the chart did you uh, did you guys ask after the did the Chargers change anything in terms of coverage on Devontae Adams? Because it looked like no. they were they were blanketing him with some help. Yeah. But, I mean, that's tough to do. Right. And obviously the Raiders freed him on one play with a flea flicker and they, you know, the, the secondary bit. Yeah. The uh, the first touchdown, he ran a really good route. And then Asante Samuel actually had really good coverage. But, my God, the throw by Carr. And then, I don't know if it was truly a one-handed catch, but it basically landed in the bread basket as Adams is kind of falling backwards to his left arm. Perfect throw. Jacobs to the left of Carr and the shotgun. Snap. Back to pass. Walking left, lofting left, to the end zone. Adams grabs it falling down. Touchdown, Devontae Adams. He was on his backside, and the ball landed in his lap. One play, one touchdown. Carr threw some really nice passes. I think the best one was, I think it was down uh, the right sideline to Morrow. Yeah. Like a touch pass. And just so you know, I was sitting in the crowd. I was in one of the corners. 
you know, pretty decent view. I was like, wow, that throw yeah. was just completely ridiculous. Play the flea flicker here because in the end, the action on the play completely fooled the Chargers. So Adams was freaking wide open. You couldn't miss him on this one. Josh Jacobs, 74 yards on 13 carries, and he gets it again. Pitches it back to Derek Carr. Looking downfield for Devontae Adams. It's straight at the five. Touchdown, Raiders. And that's even more glorious. That's even more glorious. When you can throw a flea flicker in there, catch the defense completely off guard, and Devontae Adams runs behind the Chargers defense. Two Derek Carr throws here in the third quarter, and both have been long touchdowns to Devontae Adams. This one from 45 yards out, and the Raiders lead the Chargers 23-13. Game felt over at that point. The Chargers were being embarrassed. Now, they made some runs at him, but, man, if you're watching Devontae Adams, there are times when you're like, this, is this guy playing the same game? Like, how the hell is he that open? And then the catches he makes, the catch in the fourth quarter that on the sideline that, that they, they reviewed and he couldn't get his left foot down, one-hand catch. I don't even know how he caught it. Like, he barely had his hand on the ball. Yeah. He, he's, he, is, he is awesome. I'm so glad that some of the stuff from the beginning of the season is gone. The connection is there. Teams are really struggling to cover him, and he's having a monster season. Yeah, I'm glad, too, because I have so many fantasy leagues, so it's very nice. Uh, I, I will say, going back, and this I, – I don't want this to sound like – a critique of Carr. I just want. I'm trying to build. I'm trying to say how good Adams is, because you mentioned the the touchdown throw that happened against Samuel. Like the the biggest the best trait for Carr was not the throw, it was the trust, because I think Derek Carr threw an interception on that pass, and he allowed Devonte Adams to go make a play because he trusts him to throw it up in a spot that's not ideal. Right. Devonte used his body in the end zone. To shove without committing interference, just a, in a really subtle way, to shove some opening and to let the, the let his body fall in a place where the ball is going to fall right to him. So you've got to put the ball in the right spot, but if Devontae Adams doesn't do what he does, it's probably picked because the coverage was so perfect. And I think it's just that kind of the way that they work together. And I think that's what, what Derek Carr didn't have early in the year. So what, what I'm saying is I think that's the maturity, not even maturity, the development of Carr in this offense to be like, oh, yeah, my guy that I brought in here, that's my friend from college that I lobbied for for years and years, that's right. I can just throw the ball up, and he will make sure that it doesn't turn into a mistake for me. And, and that trust is huge and to be able to do that because a lot, a lot of quarterbacks, and Derek Carr in the past, I believe, wouldn't take that chance because you don't want that interception showing up on your resume. But you got to trust that your receiver's not going to let that happen. The line did a good job, too. Yeah. I mean, he had – there were a couple of crossing routes that took forever to develop, and Carr just got to stand there. I mean, he'll, he'd have a little pressure in his face, but I give him credit. He, he stood right in the pocket and delivered a couple of throws where I'm like, I, I this play's still going on? And then Adam's just streaking across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, there, I mean, there was so, – there was other times when Devontae was open and like – He's open every play. I don't. I don't. I don't think you could throw it to him every play, but he's open so often. It's. It's just. It's. It's a. It's a marvel to watch inside the stadium. You know, I know on TV it doesn't always show the same things, but when you're in the stadium watching, and you, you know, I've got to see him what 11, 12 times now live or eleven, 
times live, uh, it's it's definitely a different level that he's playing at than everyone else. This season has been completely wacky, too, from an injury standpoint. And the Raiders are actually coming through it okay. They're at the Rams. The Rams have no one. They're big favorites at the Rams. Yeah. Short week on a Thursday. You know, Luckily, it's a really short trip, so it's not that big a deal on the short week. Renfro and Waller very much still touch and go? It sounds like they're not going to go. Okay. They're eligible to come off the injured list this week. They can activate them, which opens a 21-day window for them to practice. Now, what Josh McDaniels has said without explicitly saying it is he wants them to have a week of practice, and that's not happening. Between yesterday's game and Thursday's game, they are practicing zero times. They're doing walkthroughs instead of practice. They don't want to hit. So they would have to put Waller and Renfro out there without any contact, without any you know, actual practice, and I don't think they want to do that. Now, that almost changed yesterday. Because early in the first quarter, Foster Morrow left the game with uh, to get checked for a concussion. He went to the tent. They they found it inconclusive. Which, by the way, I went through the concussion protocol yesterday. Uh, that was an early morning tour of the uh, of how they do those things. So it just so happened that I kind of understood the exact process uh, that Foster Morrow was going through. And after the game, I was talking to him about it a little bit. I said, "Oh, how'd this go? How'd this go?" And he's like, "What?" what? And I said, I literally went through the tour this morning, so I know everything that you did. Oh, he was confused how you knew so much? <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, it's exactly what. I was like, yeah, I did the tour this morning. I, I, I went through that. Uh, and so that when it's inconclusive in the tent, then they take you to the locker room. And he said, yeah, then, then it, you know, they turned up the, uh, the levels, and they started checking this. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I, I get you. Uh, I, was, I was there with you. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what happens when it's inconclusive. If, if they're confident that it's not a concussion in the tent, you can go back out and play. If not, you have to go back to the locker room. He went back to the locker room, and as he's back in the locker room, I was thinking, okay, if he's got a concussion, they might have to activate Darren Waller next week. Like, they're out of options. Just Jesper Horst had already has a concussion, hasn't been cleared yet. Like, they might have to bring Waller back. But it sounds like Morrow came through uh, okay. Uh, he did return to the game. He played, as you mentioned, had that big catch. Obviously was great as a blocker, as he usually is. And... Uh, and now he looks like he'll be able to play. But if he's not able to go, I think that might change the equation. I think right now the plan is not to have Waller and Renfro back. Giveaway time, 364-1100. Caller 7 got two tickets to go see Social Distortion in town on the 15th. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. It's House of Blues. House of Blues, two tickets on the 15th. Social Distortion, Ari's got your hookup, 364-1100, 364-1100. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll lean on that and lean on some 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 of my mentors in in, uh, in college athletics as well as uh, those that I've played for uh, as well and those that I've worked with. You know, so yes, I will lean on that that experience uh, as a former player. And being on the staff at the University of Arizona as well, uh, I'll link on that. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Oh, the line died.
Roll on, Twin Peaks. It's Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here. He'll be hosting the party tonight. Big beers under four bucks. Grand prize, VGK tickets to the game against Philly later in the week on Wednesday. A lot more on the Raiders. Good win yesterday, and, you know, now feeling some momentum. Rams team that looks like crap, all beat up, going on the road. Thursday, quick turnaround. I mean, that could mark the end of the season. That would, you know, be really tough to have eight losses. But at seven losses, if they keep winning, they've got some life here, and they're getting a lot more confident, I think, on defense. I thought their coverage was good yesterday, pass coverage. I thought the uh, defensive line with the help, the real Chandler Jones showing up for the first time, one of the, you know, first times this season. I thought that was awesome as well. But interesting weekend on lots of fronts. We'll get to VGK, Adam, in just a bit. The UNLV football coaching search continues. I see people freaking out on Twitter about how long it's taking. I told everyone last week it would be at the beginning of this week. Now, maybe Wednesday. May have to push it back one day. But I think they zeroed in on a candidate or two by Thursday last week. So most of the names you've seen out there, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't think are accurate at all. And I think... What's happening here, and you've been through a lot of these coaching searches, whether it's NFL or college, basketball or football, how do a lot of names get inserted to searches? They put it out, and their their people put it out, and they reach out and say, hey, put me out here. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I have never covered UNLV. Now, I've been around the program. Mm-hmm. I've been on radio here. I've, you know, I've been to games. I've written some stories here and there. Um, I tweet about them and things like that. But I also will tell you, whenever there's an open job, I get DMs and texts from yep. agents and coaches and, and everyone. of like, hey, get my name out there. Put my name out there. Make sure you, people know I'm interested. <laughs> like, okay. Yep. Uh, but that's what happens. Like, it, it is beneficial for people's names to be in a coaching search yes. story. Like, if he wants to coach again, it's good to have Kevin Sumlin's name mentioned. Um, he's, if, he's if, Dante, if Dante Williams wants to make the jump up, to be a full-time head coach, he's been an interim, that would be good for him or an agent to put his name in the mix. Sure. Well, and and I'll I'll go one step further. Kevin Sumlin is a current head coach and GM. That's a good point. It's good for his league to have his name out there. It's it's good for the entire USFL to have one of their coaches mentioned as a potential Division I head coaching hire. So it could be anybody in the league putting their name out there. So those are two of the names. Yeah. You said they, you thought they zeroed in on somebody last Thursday. I mean, I think they zeroed in on somebody the day Eric Harper took the job. <laughs> well, I mean, when he came on with us last week and he said that, you know, he decided last Sunday to get rid of him, I think, you know, that was just kind of being nice to Arroyo. But they had been – I don't know this for a fact. I assume they'd been thinking about it for a while. They, they All ADs have a list. Desiree Reed-Francois had a list. I mean, I, I remember that that search. You thought from the beginning, who was her first choice? Was it uh, was it Mike Rhodes? Yeah, right. And you know, he wasn't in the mix; wasn't available. But Altsberger was probably on her top four list, going back to when she took the job or before the last year of Menzies, when her husband took the job in South Carolina or South Dakota. I mean. Remember, that was the whole thing. Her, her husband's company was headquartered in the same town where Otzelberger was coaching in South Dakota. Yeah. He would go to the games, and he's like, hey, this guy's good, which 
True, he she, was. Well, she, she nailed not, it. That, she nailed it. You know, the, the, the only not, part they didn't nail is that he didn't want to stay here. No, I want to make had, sure he when his dream job opened up. But I want to make sure that that's not. I'm not. That's that wasn't a a shot. No, I get it. Sometimes that's how you find yeah, things. That, that's, that's how you learn yeah. about things. Discover you come up with things. A connect. And, yeah. Sure. Sure. Which is why it makes a little bit of sense for people to be throwing out Mike Stoops from years past because that's where Harp was when he was at Arizona. But I, I don't believe. I, I don't even know how big the list is. It's been crazy. I don't believe they've actually spoken to, or let's say this, had an official interview with like 80% of the names out there, if not more. It might be 90%. Yeah, I think that's possible. I also, I don't, I don't think that Stoops would need an interview. But anyone out there who's worried or talking about this being a disaster or the other one is, and media people are doing it. Kyle Williams, the wide receiver, put his name in the transfer portal and Ray Brewer, a buddy over at the Las Vegas Sun, uh, tweeted something to, with a note like he's, he's done with UNLV football. <laughs> you, you don't know that. Now, if it took like two more weeks for a coach to be in, then yeah, the transfer portal could get messy. But it's just kicking off now. There's already 700 names in there. I'll also point out that of the 700, and another thing that we talk about, but n- almost no one else does, because I saw some hat up on uh, you know a thread uh, our buddy Brad Powers you know was talking about the transfer portal a little bit and and someone tweets again an anonymous thing right says the greener pasture generation and I I almost never answer the anonymous folks but I answered I was like you do realize almost every school maybe not Clemson but every school has at least six to eight guys where the coach and the staff are like you're better off getting in the portal like most coaches now recognize that they're going to have to clean off some of their roster to try to add. So, and there are some programs that push out 15 guys a year. So this whole like 700 kids, you know, dreaming big and they're going to get screwed over. Cause a stat came out last week that like over half of the players that went into a portal, went into the portal over the last like three years, didn't land at another division one school. Right. Well, yeah. Well, a lot of them are told by their current staff in school, get out. Right. That's just a reality. But I think that's also part of the issue that people have. Well, that's why that number is a little bit skewed. But my point is, when someone goes, it's the greener pasture generation, that kids are just stupid and they're like, all right, you can always be better somewhere else. That ain't the case. A lot of times, they don't freaking have a choice. We'll get back to the Raiders on the way back. We'll have more on the UNLV coaching search, a little more on the Rebels. uh, Basketball start on the men's side and VGK on the way as we're hanging out, getting ready for Monday Night Football. Get on down here. 5 o'clock, we'll check that. 5.15 kickoff at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2 to 5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77 cent beers. It's Thursday night football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. Jacobs to the left of Carr and the shotgun. Snap. Back to pass. Walking left. Lofting left. To the end zone. Adams. Grabs it falling down. Touchdown to You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Well, yesterday was everything that Raiders fans were hoping for at the beginning of the season with all this high-end talent on offense. Uh, defense came through as well, both on the back end and with Chandler Jones and Crosby up front. Jacoby Ford, former Raiders receiver, was out at the stadium, had a special role that he was playing. He's up with uh, Cofield and Adam. Jacoby, how you doing? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How you guys doing? We appreciate it. Sorry, uh, we had to delay you a little bit. We had some uh, tech issues there, so we appreciate your time. Uh, um, you know, uh, I want to, I want to jump. Yeah, I want to jump right into it, Jacoby. And um, you played in a reenactment on the field. I don't know if a lot of people at home even knew this happened, but a reenactment of Cliff Branch. And I just wanted to, you to talk about how this came together, and then you know what you said when they uh, they said, "Hey, you know, we want you to play uh, Cliff Branch." Um, actually, uh, it. It, it actually came up last second. Uh, they reached out to me earlier in the week. I actually was like midweek and just kind of gave me a rundown on what they were trying to do. And they said that I think like his nephew or somebody, they couldn't do the they couldn't do the role that they needed. They, they couldn't do the part that I eventually ended up doing. And they were like, yeah, we don't want to have an actor come in and maybe drop the ball in front of 65,000 people. <laughs> so why not just have you come in and do it and, you know, speed kills. And it's just, it was just kind of like a, a great ironic, like how it all, how it all just kind of came together. And just to be able to bring that tradition back and to reenact Cliff and just to kind of bring him back one more time for people to see in a, in a uniform. And I kind of did some mannerisms that I didn't try to do. And people kind of caught some pictures of it, of just some like certain things that I did. And just to be able to go out there and do it and bring that back to those guys that were in those gold jacks and his form former teammates uh it was a blessing you were moving you were moving down the field man i know you got the speed but do you have to stretch out before that you're a little concerned you you pop a hammy or something no we actually uh it's funny you say that we act, i was actually running around earlier and then earlier doing rehearsal and i just had on some, i just had on my jeans and my shirt um because we didn't, we didn't want to put the you know obviously put the pads on and everything twice so we just did like a couple we did like two run-throughs of me kind of like hitting it just a little bit and they were like yeah that's perfectly fine just whenever we get the stuff on just maybe hit it a little bit more <laughs> and honestly i didn't know how i would be but once i kind of heard the crowd kind of roaring a little bit it was just a normal reaction to speed up just a little bit but i just kept a nice little normal stride and everything held up the hamstrings quads <laughs> calves uh, and achilles so we, we were good made it out healthy 99 yards yeah, and you know when you, when you're asked to do something like that, I mean, obviously it's a it's a really cool moment and a cool experience to be a part of. But like, what do you just feel as as somebody who's representing you're such an iconic figure in the history of the franchise, somebody who meant so much to so many people, in particular, you know, Mark Davis obviously has a very special place for Cliff. Uh, just what is that mm -hmm. like to to be a part of that? I mean, it was great because Cliff was some Cliff was a guy that was always around, and you know, we were in Oakland, and I had to do. I had to do signings at the Raider Image right there on Hagenberger. Like, he would always pop up and, you know, come say hi. And the first thing he would always say, ha-ha, Jacoby, there he is, my man. <laughs> and, you know, we just, just always had that camaraderie with him. And just to be able to to see the look on everybody's faces of, you know, bringing them back and just to, just to have that honor of them, you know, even just thinking of me. Because there are other guys they could have definitely considered and had to do it. But just for them to think of me and the speed kills and just our relationship and just how it just – it all just coincided. I, I loved it, and I couldn't have been any more thankful. And it was, it was, it was, it just all came full circle. And even his family, you know, his sister and his brother, they all said, you know, thank you, like you, you wear that twenty one well. And that was right before I had to go out there and do it. So they were, they were, they were really honored and just to be out, just to go out there and please them, make them happy again. And you know, just to see that two one run down again. Um, I hope I fulfilled something for them, and um, you know, I'm just thankful. I'm honored for it. It was definitely cool to be in the stadium. That's the voice of Jacoby Ford, former Raider, who uh, was there at the game yesterday. We want to get into uh, his thoughts on what he saw from the Raiders. And this may be a weird question, but I got very obsessed with this yesterday. 
So <laughs> yesterday you score the you score the touchdown. You run down the field. Uh, obviously, the crowd is going crazy. You get to the end zone, and now people are asking you to sign their signs. Do you sign Cliff Branch or Jacoby Ford? So they never told me what to sign, but I signed Jacoby Ford and okay. then just put 21. So I was a little confused on what to do. And we kind of had to be – I was supposed to kind of be in that tunnel by a certain point when I had to hear a certain like a certain line. So I kept telling – I heard them say, like, speed up. But they never told me, like, hey, sign Cliff Branch or sign Jacoby Ford. So I'm like, I've never signed Cliff Branch, so I'm just going to sign Jacoby Ford and just put 21 and just kind of just roll with it from there. So – that part there, I just kind of just freestyled. So that was the only thing I was kind of in the dark. In. Had there been? It was Jim Plunkett who threw the ball to you, right? Yeah, that was Plunkett. He wanted to throw a little bit farther. But yeah, that's what I thought. It, it, they, yeah, he he wanted to sling it. He wanted to go like at least twenty yards. So we, <laughs> I, I hadn't rehearsed with him, so you know, we, we I didn't know what what was going to go on, and you know, we were throwing the ball right there in the um, right there in the tunnel, and he was like, "Yeah, I think we're good about ten yards. We're good." I was yeah. like, "We're perfectly fine. I said, we just got to complete it, and I'll do the rest." So. There he figured go. it out then, and he he was good. But they, they're always fun. Just and then to be able to interact with Fred Belitnikoff the way that Cliff did, um, able to bring just you know bring his his former teammate back to him right there, and and the limelight. You know, I, it was an honor. You know, everybody was saying how they appreciated, and I looked just like Cliff. And uh, like I said, I couldn't be more honored and thankful for it. So Allegiant Stadium now new home, a couple of years for the Raiders, and uh, so cool every week to be in that building and to see. Uh, all the old Raiders players come by and, and just different faces and uh, see how they just how they react to being there. Uh, just what are your thoughts on, on Raiders having a home here in Vegas? Obviously, it's it's different for Raider Nation, but uh, a very cool venue and uh, to be on that field even to, to look around and experience it. What was that like for you? Um, that was fun. You know, I've I've been to, I mean I've been to the stadium a few times sure. now, but just to be able to be down there for the pregame and interact with the guys a little bit and you know. I, I actually saw somebody on the Chargers who I've known him since he was he was he was a lot he, he was uh, his his dad Coach Rump um, Coach Mike Rump he got he coached us at Clemson and his son plays now his son is you know he's Mike Rump too and he plays now in the Chargers so just to see him like he saw me in the tunnel like getting ready and like he came over gave me a hug really quick just to say what's up and uh, you know just certain things that just come full circle and. To be out there, to be out there on the field, and just to see how they operate and do everything—it's honestly, it's, it's amazing. Like they work super hard behind the scenes to get everything kind of on point with, with any events that they have to do, even with the players and having people come on the sideline just to kind of get an experience at a certain point, whether it's pre-game, post-game, or just whenever the flag is going out, they have people come out there. So they really are interacting and doing very well with the stadium, and just to be able to have this experience and have a team in Vegas. Oh, man, I, I wish. I wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a different a different day. Uh, we were talking before you came on just about watching Devontae Adams play live every week in the stadium. You just get a real appreciation for how special of a talent he is, how good he is. As a guy who played the position and who did very special things on the field, what are your thoughts watching Devontae? He's different. Um, that guy there has a set of tools that – only Devontae Adams has. Uh, just watching him play and the way that he plays his game is, 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 is extremely fun. And he's a person that you can definitely learn some things from about body control, how to use every tool you have, even if you aren't the fastest guy on the field. He's a guy that still runs by people because of his technique, 
you know, his, his certain way that he can get open. It's, and I mean, just to see him in that silver and black and that 17, I can't tell you, like, the dude looks like he, he's been meant to be in the silver and black for a long time. And just to see him out there on the field, like, and it, it's awesome. And I just can't imagine whenever we get Waller back and we get Renfro back, um, just how dangerous that, how dangerous it's going to be to have all three of them on the field consistently and out there making plays. And I mean, but honestly, they're doing great now. Like, they're rolling, running right behind Jacobs, which I love it. He will run that. I, I love watching him play. I loved watching him when he was in Alabama and just to see him still keep continuing how he was running. I love it. Um, but watching Devontae play, it, it, it's truly special. I mean, everybody saw what he did in the pack with, with Green Bay. And that's, um, that's you know, it, that gets you excited. And now we're getting all, we're getting everything now from Devontae and, and more. So and it's only just more to come and they're only going to continue to grow and get better. And it's just going to be super exciting to see. Jacoby Ford's with us. Hey, when you were upstairs on uh, the stage, who were you up there with? Because uh, I was actually watching the game as a fan. And I, I couldn't hear the intros. Who was standing next to you? Uh, that was so. That was Mike Rogers, and he he's a he's an Olympian. Um, he, he he runs he runs track. He runs track uh, for Team USA, and that was honestly my first time meeting him in person. But I've known who he was um, just from the track and field area. What's that like for you getting to chop it up with uh, you know guys who are world class? It's really it, it, it's good because it I, I've tapped into their world before, and I've been you know I've been a track athlete, so I kind of I know how it is being a track athlete, and then. I get to switch over and go to football, but it's weird because I get kudos from them about like how my stride looks. They're like, "Man, you look good. Like you like you can still run a little bit." I'm like, "Yeah, I still can." I, I just I you're like, just "I'm not old." This. You tell them, "I'm like, uh, yeah, buddy, I mean, you're 35. Like, 35. Relax. I can still go if I want to. It's just <laughs> if I want to. That's just it. It's just if I want to. But I mean, at, at this point, I'm just content and happy with life. And you know, I just I run if need be. And I just you know, I chase after my daughter whenever that is. Uh, you are, are you, uh, what are you coaching in, uh, in your home area, right? West Palm? Yes, I coach in, uh, I coach in West Palm Beach. I coach the receivers over at Cardinal Newman High School. Nice. Uh, we just had a great year since, you know, they had one of the best years since 1972. Went 10-0 in the regular season, 11-1 on the season. We lost to Shamanah Madonna, their number three team in the country, um, in high school. So, uh, great challenge for us every time we get into the playoffs when we have to face them. And so it kind of lets us know where we're at. So, you know, we still have some, still got some ways to go, but we'll get there eventually. And, um, you know, I just try to inspire the kids and just be there for them and just want to just make them just as fundamentally sound as they can. So whenever they do get to the next level, Lord's willing, the ones that do make it to college, uh, that they won't be culture shocked. They'll be shocked by anything that's thrown at them. And, you know, they'll be ready to go ahead and tackle the next level mentally and physically strong. Well, it was good seeing you out there. Great job playing Cliff Branch, and we appreciate you coming on today on Short Notice. Thank you so much. No, it's no problem at all. I appreciate you guys for having me. There he is, Jacoby Ford, former Raiders receiver star at Clemson. And, yeah, that was one of those things. I hope I hope they have video of it where they're going to post it up online because I thought it was pretty neat. It was really creative. It was a very different way to honor Cliff Branch. They did it up in a big way.